Sons of the Poitrous Ponderings podcast. We are glad to have you back for another episode. Once again, you will be challenged to pause, ponder, and project. I'm Jim Poitras, and this is the Poitras Ponderings Podcast, where we pause, we ponder, and then we project. This week, I want to wish our show manager and engineer, Chris Richardson, a very happy 50th birthday. Because it's his birthday week, I'm going to forgive the fact that last week he specifically said that I was going to be outclassed by my special guest. And then the queen appeared on the program and actually Chris was so correct. Totally outclassed, so much appreciate the queen of the Poitras household. And she's coming back this week and she will also appear over several different podcast episodes But today, she's talking about the call. Before I turn things over to Linda Poitras, I want to mention two particular things about the call or connected with the call. And of course, I don't apologize for it. I'm very much uh, influenced and encapsulated and uh, just totally overcome with missions, burdens, and calls, and I appreciate the life that we've had as a missionary and now working with other people that are going to the mission field. Sister Elsa Lund was a tremendous missionary, is a tremendous lady, and she served in Africa for so many years. I once was in a missions conference with Sister Lund, and she was asked a question, what do you do if you have a call. I was prepared with a probably a five to ten page theological explanation of the call, but Sister Lund brought it right down to where people could understand it so clearly, because she said, if you've got a call, feed it. Got a call, feed it. So powerful. And then I wanted to go ahead and also quote the words of Jim Sleva, who served on the mission field and now serves at Indiana Bible College and is such a blessing there to the various missions courses that are offered at IBC. And he's extremely well known for making this statement, exposure breeds a burden. So Sister Lund got a call, feed it. Brother Sleva, exposure breeds a burden. Now we're going to find out a little bit about the call in the life of Linda Poitras and how she fed that call and how being exposed to missions actually did just that. It allowed her to breed a burden in her life. Turning this over to my queen, 
Well, hello, friends. It gives me great joy to be with you today and to share a little about how the call of God looked and sounded in my life. I am very blessed to have come from a preacher's home, so grew up aware that the call of God was a real and very precious thing in everyone's life. And when it began to happen in mine, um, I knew what it was, but it took a while. For many people, as um, I'm sure you've heard before, there are specific exact moments and times when it happens a lot of times when they're very young. For me, my growing up years were very blessed, but I don't remember specifically thinking about God's call until I was finished with university. And at that time, I seriously began to ask God what he wanted me to do next with the many things he had blessed me with and the experiences that he had granted in my life. I was looking for a job. Um, my degree was in teaching, so I was looking for a teaching job, and I wanted to be very sure that it was somewhere where there was a good church, and that was very interesting because God kept leading me right back to my own church where my dad pastored and where I had grown up, where I had received the Holy Ghost, where I had been baptized at the age of seven, and where I had lived my whole life serving him. So when that was the place that God set me, I began to work in public school systems doing private music instruction, and I had no idea what God was planning and where he was leading. But I began to search for his will one summer after I was at a youth camp and heard a young man speak on specifically on the will of God. I had heard that all of my life. The verses were not new. The lesson was not new. But somehow, God began to deal with me in a new way. And I knew, I knew very clearly that he was asking something different of me. I can remember searching and praying and even fasting and praying during that youth camp. It was very interesting because I had my first date to a, to a banquet at youth camp and the Lord was dealing with me so strongly about fasting and praying that I had to break off that date. And I found myself searching for a place to pray in the night because I couldn't sleep. And the dorm mothers finally sent me to the girls' bathroom. So here I am in one of the stalls in the ladies' bathroom at youth camp talking to the Lord very seriously and asking a whole lot of questions. It's so wonderful to know that God hears us and sees and knows the desire of our heart. But I think the first thing that he saw in me was a willingness. I was available, maybe for the first time in my life, to go and do exactly what he wanted, wherever he wanted, and whenever he wanted. 
It's very interesting because the answers did not come immediately. That youth camp came and went, and God continued to deal with me. And there is a very special spot in front of the altar in my home church, right about the same place where I was lying the night God filled me with the Holy Ghost, that he dealt with me so many times in so many different ways as I talked to him and poured out my heart and let him know I'm ready, I'm willing, I will do, I will go, whatever it is you want from me. And I had no idea even then what God planned. He first led me to work with the AYC, the Apostolic Youth Corps, and sent me to Alaska. That doesn't seem like very far away, but from a girl who grew up in South Alabama, born in Florida, and had never been very far outside of those two states, it was quite a thing for me to get on an airplane and fly to Alaska by myself. And the way that God moved during the two weeks that I was there and the way that he spoke to me and the way that he dealt with my heart, I knew that there was still something that he wanted from me. And I was still open and ready to do whatever it was, wherever it was. It was at another camp meeting, also in Alabama, where I met two missionaries, one going to Spain, one going to the nation of Nigeria, which the only thing I knew about that place was that it was in Africa. I had taken Spanish in high school, so I thought, well, maybe that's where God wants me to go. But it wasn't. There was absolutely no direction to go to Spain. And so when the missionary from Nigeria came to our local church on an off-night service, and God sent all kinds of people to that service, that came to hear from the man of God and God moved in a way that was so amazing and so powerful and so very clear. By the time that service was over, I knew, my family knew, indeed our entire church knew that I was going to Nigeria. I didn't know how. <laughs> I had no idea when but I just knew that is the place God has finally let me know he wants me to go there. And so the missionary who was preparing to return to the field told me that if I could not get my visa taken care of in time, that this was the steps I should follow. He told me exactly what to do. And so away he went, and I began to strive to get myself ready. As it turned out, there were several delays with my visa, and when I finally had that in my hand, I remember the day it came, and I had that visa in my hand with my passport, and I knew that I was going to Africa. That was an amazing feeling for this small town southern girl, that God had actually asked me to go to a place like that. And so away I flew, with no idea what was in store. I arrived in Lagos, Nigeria at about 8.30 at night and went through all of the uh, customs and immigration procedure all the while looking for the missionary. He had told me that it might not be possible for him to 
meet me at the airport because he lived a one hour plane ride and a three hours drive away from the airport. And he said he would come every weekend, which he had done for five weeks. But this was week six and he wasn't there. So I had to follow the instructions he had given me. Act like you know what you're doing. Get your luggage, go across town to the domestic airport exchange money, buy a ticket, fly to the city of Calabar, get a taxi, and come to Utuabak. Well, he forgot to mention the all-night stay on a bench in the Murtala Muhammad Airport in Lagos. But God was good. God was there, along with soldiers carrying machine guns, and an Indian couple who had arrived back in Nigeria after a vacation and whose uh, chauffeur did not show up at the airport. So instead of getting a taxi or another vehicle, they decided to spend the night and the man sat up all night and watched over his wife and I as we laid on a bench and slept. God was there amidst all of the uncertainty and fear and questions that I had. Was I doing the right thing? Was everything going to be okay? There was no way to contact home. I couldn't call. There was no way to contact the missionary. I couldn't call him either. We couldn't uh, send a telegram. So I just had to go on what he had given me, the instructions I had, and I did. The next morning I went across town to the domestic airport did exactly what I said. I exchanged my money, got a ticket to the city of Calabar, and got on the plane. That was an experience. <laughs> In that nation, you kind of had to fight your way onto an airplane. So elbows and, and knees and standing tall and not letting anyone push you aside, that was my first encounter with travel in West Africa. I got on the plane flew to Calabar, and when I arrived, my next job was to find a taxi driver willing to take me into the interior to the little village of Utu Abak. And that happened. I told them what I wanted, and so a driver said yes, he would take me to, to Utu Abak, and I got in his taxi with my luggage, and away we went, but not down a highway. And so I began to question, okay, where is this guy taking me? And finally he said, oh, I have to tell my brother that I'm going to the village, okay? So we stopped at a house, he jumped out, ran inside, stayed a little while, came back, got in the car, and away we went, this time on the highway. When we got out on the highway in temperatures of well over 100, no air conditioning in the car with the window rolled down. I leaned my head back against the seat and went to sleep. And I woke up just as we got to the village of Utuabak where there were policemen stopping us very every few miles to check what was inside, who the passenger was, what's in the boot. That's what they call the trunk of the car. The taxi driver was very helpful and he would make motions to me, don't get out of the car, don't say anything. And so he began to inquire, where is the United Pentecostal Church mission? 
I only had a P.O. box, and that was not very helpful in locating the mission house. So every policeman that stopped us, he would ask directions. And finally, one of them knew where for us to go. When we drove up into the compound of that United Pentecostal Church International, the whole gospel to the whole world sign, I was so relieved. The taxi driver drove up to the gate, the walled gate, and stopped, and I got out of the car and leaned up against the side of the car, and I saw the missionary, he was in the church that was also there on the compound, and he jumped straight up. I knew it was him because he's bald-headed, and there was that bald head. So I was finally where I was supposed to be with the missionary family I was supposed to be with. After getting inside and getting settled, I slept 17 hours. <laughs> they thought I was dead, but <laughs> I wasn't. I was just starting to live. It's amazing what God does when he calls someone. And it's also amazing where he thinks you fit. But the major thing that God was looking for in my life and probably in yours too, is the availability factor. Am I willing to go wherever he says, whenever he says, to do whatever it is he's called me to do? That was the biggest thing that was a part of that call and that journey. And that was the beginning of the call. I learned to listen for his voice, and to only move when he said move. There were times when I felt the urging in my heart that it was time to move, but I was very adamant about waiting for God's voice to let me know where the next move should be. God was good, and he led me in so many ways and so many times. But that call is one I will always be thankful that I answered because he was the one who made the call. And I was blessed to have just enough sense to answer. Until next time, when we talk to you again about more of the story. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Poitras Ponderings podcast. Join us again next week for another great episode. Music